you hear it sometimes when somebody says, oh, she took uh, Ozempic to lose all that weight. And it's like, why does that feel like somebody's cheating? Like you would never say that somebody was cheating if they took like a drug for diabetes or if they took a drug for cancer or if they took a drug to control their blood pressure or if they took a drug for something else and that they had to take that for the rest of their life. You would never feel like, oh, they're cheating by taking a drug for that. But this somehow, it's like, oh, I can't believe they have to take that drug. This is Fat Science, a podcast dedicated to the science of why we get fat. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice. I'm Dr. Emily Cooper. I've been treating patients with metabolic issues for over 25 years. I'm on a mission to raise awareness about metabolic dysfunction and why diets don't work. Hi, I'm Andrea Taylor. I've been fat, very fat, chubby, morbidly obese, and done almost every diet ever invented. They all worked until they didn't. I've known Dr. Cooper forever, but when I became her patient and we learned metabolism was the real problem, wow, everything changed, and I've never been healthier. And I'm Mark Wright. It's time for Fat Science. Wait, does this podcast make me look fat? Welcome to Fat Science. I'm Mark Wright, along with my friends, Dr. Emily Cooper and Andrea Taylor. It's so great to see you two. Welcome. Great to Hello. see you. Hi. So we are doing a follow-up episode to understanding metabolic medicines because we have gotten a lot of feedback about the episode called... Andrea, what was the name of that last episode? You you came up with the title. Uh, was it Ozempic Anjaro... We go V. Oh my. Yeah, that was, <laughs> and that got a lot of listens. And there are a lot of follow up questions that we thought would be really important because, gosh, there is so much misinformation out there. There's so many competing voices when it comes to possible side effects and whether these drugs are good or not. So, Dr. Cooper, let's start just with by kind of setting the table on. When we talk about these metabolic medicines, give us give us an idea of what the current landscape is when we talk about drugs like Ozempic and Manjaro. Well, the new conversations are really surrounding these, these more complex medicines that are used in both diabetes and obesity. And that category is called GLP-1 mimetics. And we also now have a dual agonist, which is GLP-1 and GIP mimetic in one medicine. And so that's a brand new category. So this includes medicines that are very popularized right now, which is Ozempic and Manjaro and their counterparts, which are actually Wegovi and something called Zepbound, which has been FDA approved since our last episode. So, um, there are other meds in that same category, but they haven't, for some reason, become as popularized. But those would include things like Trulicity, Victoza, and Sixenda, Victoza's counterpart. So one thing to think about with these, these meds is there's a lot of confusion. And um, some of it is, I think, language that is coming out of the pharmaceutical industry, the insurance industry, the medical industry and then popular culture that confuses a lot of the medicines and confuses people into thinking they're they're all 
very different medications when several of them are actually identical medications. So when you think about it, Victoza and Saxenda are identical medications, but the difference is just the branding of them. Victoza Mm -hmm. is branded as a diabetes drug. Saxenda is branded as a weight-related treatment for, quote, obesity. So, and they're made by the same. They're company. made by the same company. And what people, what you hear often is they have the same, a similar molecule or the same molecule. You hear this kind of funny language that makes it sound like they're not exactly the same, but they are exactly the same. Inside the pen is the exact same liquid in that pen, and the doses are equivalent. You know, when it says a certain dose for the Victoza, that same dose in Sixenda is the exact same strength, the exact same medicine. There's no difference between the two. It's all a branding that has happened. And a lot of it's to get around issues with cost and insurance and coverage. And it's kind of just a false, (laughs) a false make-believe thing. They're the same medicine. So same thing when it comes to Wegovy and Ozempic and ribelsis. Now now we've got three medicines that are the exact, basically the same medicine, um, but they're marketed differently. So Ozempic is a liquid medicine in a pen that's marketed for diabetes. Wegovy is the exact identical liquid in a different color pen that's marketed for weight under the name Wegovy. So it's just, they're identical liquid inside those two pens and the dosing, it's the same concentration. So, you know, the same milligrams of one is, is the same as the milligrams of the other. Ribelsis is that same chemical compound, but formulated into a pill that people can take. So that's those, those meds. And so then the other medication, Monjaro, is the first in its category, which mimics not only the hormone GLP-1, but also GIP. And so it's the first in its category, basically. But it's marketed for diabetes under the name Monjaro, and it comes in a pen. And it's also now marketed under the name Zepbound. (laughs) And that is also coming in a different color pen. But Inside is the exact same liquid in there. So there is no difference. They're identical, but it's a marketing difference. Hmm. And then there is a medicine called Trulicity, which is also in that category. There used to be medications called Bieta. I'm sorry, Trulicity is more in the same category as Ozempic. It's a GLP-1 only type mimetic. Um, and then there used to be Bietta and Bidurian, but I think those are not really being manufactured anymore. And those were also GLP-1 category. So these are like kind of the array of the quote GLP-1 or GLP-1 GIP meds. And why those are important is those are actually mimicking our body's natural hormones. And those hormones are produced in our gut And they have very powerful, positive signals for our metabolic feedback loop. They make our body feel extremely secure metabolically, nutritionally. And so that helps our metabolism kind of get the green light that it doesn't need to hold back and conserve a lot of um, energy unnecessarily. So Andrea, 
I think it's fortuitous that Andrea is on the call because she spent her entire career in marketing at a very high level. What's the reason, do you think, Andrea, that these drug companies are are being so specific in marketing the identical drug in such different ways, first for diabetes and then for weight loss? I think it's tricky. I think it's a, a double thing. I think, one, it's for insurance purposes, because that business is a really tricky, tricky business, because you can't get some of these drugs if you're not diabetic. And if you want to get, like some insurance won't pay for a weight loss drug, Hmm. but they'll pay for a diabetic drug. And you have to prove that you need it for your controlling diabetes or to prevent diabetes in some, in some cases, um, or that you might have diabetes. I mean, there's so many things that a doctor has to run through hoops to prove that you need this drug. And then some insurance programs will pay for a weight loss drug, but some won't. So that's why they have the two names. I think in some cases, and then I think there's some kind of, um, I think there's some kind of like, not a status thing, but sort of a, um, people don't want to be associated maybe with a diabetes drug. They maybe want to, or they don't want to say they have a weight loss drug or because you, you hear it sometimes when somebody says, oh, she took uh, Ozempic to lose all that weight. And it's like, why does that feel like somebody's cheating? Like you would never say that somebody was cheating if they took like a drug for diabetes or if they took a drug for cancer or if they took a drug to control their blood pressure or if they took a drug for something else and that they had to take that for the rest of their life. You would never feel like, oh, they're cheating by taking a drug for that. But this somehow... It's like, oh, I can't believe they have to take that drug. Um, it's a yeah, very like if if they just you know exercised more and ate ate better, they would lose weight. You know, there's right. still that that perception, right? There still is that perception, yeah. and but I also have a bone to pick. Like these names they have for these <laughs> drugs, like where the hell are they coming up with these names? <laughs> I mean, I take Manjaro, and it took me like six months to figure out what am I taking? I thought, I think we talked about this before. I kept calling it Magumbo. I was like, that is a bad name. Like, where are they coming up with that? Oh, I'm sure they spend a lot of money on focus oh, groups. Oh, I guarantee you. psychologists. Yeah, I guarantee. But it's, it's an odd thing. Like, and the whole thing that people are like, what do you mean? I can't just take it. I think it's the the diet mentality is still in there. Like you think, oh, I could take the drug for like a couple of months, lose the weight, and then I'm done. But I think that that is still like stuck on you from the diet mentality. Like, no, this is a problem that you have and you've, you're going to have it. And you need a drug to go with that problem for the rest of your life. Dr. Cooper, I've heard from several people this claim about Ozempic. Oh, that's the drug that causes intestinal paralysis. And oh, that's that's the drug that somebody filed a lawsuit over. Can you break down uh, that claim for us? I mean, I don't know what intestinal paralysis is. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> but how does Ozempic work in the body? And then can you address 
that claim. Yes. Well, the whole family of GLP-1, my medics that we talked about, that whole group of meds, um, the GLP-1 hormone, even in our body, our own GLP hormone, um, it kind of regulates the pace that food moves from our stomach to our small intestine and through our small intestine. So if you have rapid emptying of your stomach, like an abnormal rapid emptying, it would regulate it so that it's more normalized. Um, if you have normal emptying, it may slow it just a little bit, slow down the pace from the stomach to the small intestine. The um, GLP-1, GIP combination doesn't slow it as much as the pure GLP-1. But if you happen to have really slow baseline stomach emptying, which can happen in diabetes, there can be something, a condition called gastroparesis, where your stomach, um, due to nervous system changes, doesn't really um, empty at a normal pace. So if that's already as a baseline slowed down, it could slow it like much more, you know, when you add something else on top of that. And that could create a really uncomfortable sense of fullness, nausea, vomiting, that type of problem. And so in patients where that may occur, the normal thing is they would just report that to their provider who would make adjustments in the medication dose or timing or give them tips on there are certain things that people do sometimes where they drink a lot of fluids with their meals and that also slows the stomach emptying. So by eliminating some of these little things, you can actually usually work through these side effects. Um, but so the medicines themselves do not cause paralysis of your gut. Um, and the term paralysis I mean, maybe it's used in medicine. I, in my whole career, have never heard anyone refer <laughs> to slow down or slowing or of the intestine as paralysis. Um, it mm -hmm. is normally medically called ileus, um, I-L-E-U-S, ileus. And that refers to a slowing of the intestine, which can be due to a number of things. One, it could be a mechanical slowing where someone has had a lot of GI surgery in the past where they develop scar tissue in the abdomen and it, what are called adhesions, which as you know, food moves through with or without a GLP-1, it's going to have episodes of things getting kind of temporarily stuck, you know, the motility being impaired. And again, those are things that patients present with that have to be worked out with their doctor and figured out. And um, occasionally they can be serious, but again, not, not brought on by a GLP-1, but just as an underlying condition. So um, the main thing is that because these meds can slow the upper GI emptying, if you have patients who already have problems there and you add these on at very high doses without monitoring, without you know getting feedback from a patient of how they're actually feeling, they could get into trouble where things slow down to the point where they have to stop eating, maybe switch to liquids for a day or two to help, you know, relieve the, the motility issue. But it would be extremely unusual to have anything really serious occur. Um, I think the only chance, the one case that I read about it, um, the person had had like multiple episodes of vomiting every day for like months or something. <laughs> um, hmm. And they were attributing all of this to this medicine where, you know, a normal situation, a patient is going to be communicating to their provider if they're having discomfort and 
it's routine that any medicines are stopped when <laughs> that kind of thing is happening. You know, any medicines, mm -hmm. are, you have to stop everything that could have any GI side effect because the per poor person is in so much distress. That's just a normal routine thing. Um, so anyway, uh, I've also today, I heard from a patient that she read somewhere that someone's stomach exploded on the medication. And so I, what she talked to her pharmacist who clarified, that's not actually a real thing that, that didn't happen. Um, but this is all in the popular media that these things are out there. So I recommend if people hear terms like stomach exploded, paralyzed intestines, just, it sounds so sensational. It doesn't sound very medical. I mean, in the medical world, we don't say the stomach exploded. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. even if there's a hole in the stomach that can happen from different things, not from these meds, but um, we say perforated, you know, we don't say the stomach <laughs> exploded or the intestinal paralysis. So I'm just saying. Make, makes a better headline yeah. though, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it makes it? a great headline. But <laughs> overall, these meds are extremely safe medications. And because they're mimicking our natural body hormones, they do a lot of what our body does anyway, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis because we produce hormones that are acting the same way that these meds do. Hmm. My friend's father wanted me to say that his side effect is when he eats, he sneezes. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I never heard of anybody else who had that, but that's a good one. Wow. Good to know. Yeah. Good to yeah. know. Good to know. Good to know. Hey, uh, Dr. Cooper, uh, I want to read something that I got from uh, a follower on Facebook. And I'm always open to people sending me uh, messages on Facebook yeah. or, or emails or whatever, because I think, I think you know, having a, a two-way, you know, dialogue is really important right. on this stuff. This is really interesting, though. A woman uh, sent me a note that says this, and I'll just read it. Disappointed you jumped on the drug money train. Those medications have to be taken for life or you gain the weight back. Also, showing you were losing lean weight, uh, lean weight, not fat. Anyone can lose weight with diarrhea and stomach problems. This is just the next money-making drug being pushed. So I think a couple of things I wanted to unpack with that, and I, I appreciate that this person took the time to send yeah. this in. But let's talk about the drug money train. Um, Dr. Cooper does not get paid, uh, does not take money from drug companies, um, does not benefit in any way when prescribing these medications. Dr. Cooper doesn't even take insurance <laughs> at her clinic. Yeah. Uh, that's how pure, I'm just going to say it, how pure your practice is. So this drug money train is, is sort of an assertion. There is a nonprofit, an investigative news nonprofit called ProPublica, and they did a fantastic investigation into following the money from drug companies to doctors. Mm. So if you go to ProPublica, you can find, you can type in your doctor's name and the state, and you can find out exactly what money your doctor is getting from drug companies. And I highly recommend that because oh, some doctors are making tons of money by prescribing or advocating for certain uh, drugs, uh, which is, I think, important to know as a consumer. Um, so, Dr. Cooper, let's talk about this assertion that, oh, the medications have to be taken for life or you gain the weight back. How, how would you respond if a patient told you that during, during a, a meeting? Well, what's so, I mean, that's a great question. And I also got a question on LinkedIn saying, well, what happens if you stop these meds? And so that's kind of a similar uh, point. Well, it's, you know, you, you want to look at these medications 
outside of that world of diet drug and weight loss medicine, because obviously they're marketed for diabetes too. So the whole metabolic system influences our blood sugar, it influences our body weight. And what these medications do, as we, as we mentioned, is that they strengthen our metabolic uh, feedback loop and they make up for a lot of what we call glitches in the metabolic feedback loop that people have really mostly due to genetic predisposition. But um, so it's just like if you think of, of metabolic dysfunction, just like you would any kind of disease process, then you can start to look at the model a little bit differently of how these meds fit in. If you have hypertension, if you have cancer, you're going to go on medication to control the blood pressure, to, to reduce like the tumor progression. Um, and if you have bone density loss, you're going to go on medication to help stop your osteoporosis. And it's not really any different than that. So the same model applies here where we go on medication to help restore normal metabolic function. And you would be looking at, in the case of these meds, lab work, physical response, things like that to determine when and if it's appropriate to reduce the dosage. And if it was, then you would obviously do it incrementally, slowly, and reevaluate just as you would with blood pressure. You know, a lot of our patients come in and their blood pressure is doing so well that we have to actually reduce some of their blood pressure medicine. So we reduce right. it and keep monitoring the blood pressure. And if it goes up, we have to go back up on the blood pressure, or we might end up reducing it further. Same with cancer. As that tumor, the tumors are going into regression, there's remission of the cancer, the cocktails, chemo cocktails are changed and reduced, and it's continued to be monitored. Same with bone density. So it's just a really traditional model, but people are having a hard time getting their head around it because, as Andrea always says, they're still putting it in the context of a diet kind of concept. Um, and that's just not what these meds are. They're not, the purpose of them is not to use them as a quick fix, a diet, that type of thing. In fact, if you do that, you actually will probably never get off of them (laughs) because, you know, depriving yourself of calories and reducing your calorie intake is going to end up creating impairment of your overall metabolic function, making your metabolism weaker as you're trying to use these meds to strengthen it. So that's very counterproductive. But um, but yeah, and so we have patients who um, have had, you know, periods of showing excellent lab results, excellent responses, and their body composition is showing great lean mass and their body fat is balanced, their blood sugar and their insulin's looking good, everything looks great. And we'll try. We'll say, okay, let's reduce the dose and continue to monitor. If that looks good, reduce it a little further, continue to monitor. We have stability, reduce it a little further. And so there's a tapering methodology that's very similar to every other medical condition, every other medical drug. Right. But you have to look at it, I think, like Dr. Cooper said, this is like a control drug. This isn't a diet like quick in, quick out. This is something that you're going to use for your life to help control a problem or help keep something stable. It's not something that it's like, 
This is not a miracle drug, a quick right. fix thing. And I think so many people go into it thinking it's this miracle drug that was just invented. And I think with a lot of people that I know, when I tell them that I've been on these type of drugs for 10, 11 years, they're like, what? It was just invented. Right. And I'm like, no, no, it wasn't. Because I think also another thing that comes up is people talk about, well, they don't know the long-term problems that these things can cause. There's not been a lot of studies. I'm like, well, there haven't been huge long-term studies, but I can tell you as one person who's been on them for 10, you know, at least 10 years, that side effects happen. Yes, they do. With any drug, there's going to be a side effect. With any drug, there's going to be something that's going to happen to some people. It's not the same for every single person. Right. You know, not everybody is the same. Not everybody's problem is the same. And not everyone will be able to taper off of medication um, no. because these, you know, these are strong. It's personal. Yeah, and, and these can be very strong, um, gene- you know, genetically driven dysfunctions. Right. And there can even be now that we have um, genetic testing that's advancing, there can even be some very hardcore specific malfunctions in the metabolic I, pathway. I, I know th- I know that part. <laughs> I have those very specific yes. and so <laughs> difficult. And when you're in that, then it shifts like your thinking is again the modern the regular routine traditional medical model of that is people say who have just thyroid problem. Their thyroid doesn't work. Well, they have to take thyroid medicine for the rest of their life. Um, because otherwise their thyroid doesn't produce that hormone. Or something called Addison's disease, you know, where your adrenal gland doesn't produce your cortisol. You have to take hydrocortisone to hmm. supplement it, or it could be dangerous if you don't. Um, you know, the, or type 1 diabetes. Your pancreas doesn't make insulin, so you have to take insulin. So it's these conditions fall within that realm and that spectrum of traditional, normal medical conditions and treatment and how we normally approach them. But for some reason, well, I guess because of the stigma and all of the diet industry's success at convincing us that these problems are people's fault and, you know, uh, the shame game around that, we don't think of these meds. They're taken out of context entirely, out of the medical context into more of a, you know, quick fix diet type mentality. Right. But these drugs are not diet drugs. No. Yeah. And we should also say that, you know, your body weight, the amount of fat that you have on your body is just one metric of many that you can use to sort of define what your overall health is. I mean, it's one uh, thing to have a great point. fat surrounding your organs like fatty liver, but it's another thing to have just a little extra fat somewhere else in the body. But um, Dr. Cooper, I'd love for us to talk a little bit about compounding of these medications Um, Tell us what that is and why it's important to this discussion. Yeah, this is a new, like really out of control, um, another type of activity that's going on where pharmacies, certain compounding pharmacies are compounding kind of simulated forms of these medications. And compounded meds are okay in a lot of you know, instances. And we, I even prescribe compounded medications in my practice for patients who need like a lower dose than what comes 
as a standard dose in a medication because of intolerance or they need something, maybe they have a um, allergy to a certain dye that's in the standard medication and we have to have the medication manufactured in a way that doesn't contain that dye. So these are kind of um, versions that the pharmacist actually makes in their pharmacy to mimic or to replicate, I should say, to replicate the, the traditional medication. But when it comes to these meds, they're very sophisticated medication. And there's a lot that can go wrong in that compounding process. And with compounding of these meds, it's not these medications that they produce are not FDA scrutinized. They're not really regulated by the FDA because the FDA has approved the brand name meds that are in a certain form and they have proven that they enter your body a certain way, they last a certain amount of time, they you know don't have other impurities and um, the side effects and everything have been studied. With the compounded versions, we really don't have any of that information. So they have had cases where they found other medication in the compounded versions that was a completely different medicine. Um, there's cases where the labeling is very confusing and patients are using doses that are like completely not a standard dose. And um, so it's really concerning that this has taken off. And the reason it has is because the insurance companies have a real vice grip on, you know, the access to treatment for people who actually need the treatment, but are being denied coverage. And so if they were to pay out of pocket, it's like a mortgage payment practically or a rent payment mm. every month. And so, um, you know, this is a way that pharmacies have stepped up and said, well, we can provide it at this lower cost, but they're also trying to make a lot of money off of it. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like they saw an opportunity and they jumped in. And the other- And that's legal? This is legal well, to do? Well, the FDA put out several notices- the FDA put out several notices saying, you know, saying they're not endorsing it. It's very hard for them to say it's not legal because the drug companies have kind of stepped in it here because what they have done is they haven't planned well. So there have been shortages and the compounding uh, is permitted in times of shortage of a critical medication. So they're going through this loophole and it applies primarily the, the shortages have mostly affected the um, Novo Nordisk medications, the Ozempic and Wegovi over the last year, but a little bit also the Manjaro has suffered shortages too. So the drug companies need to correct those shortages to help calm this down. And the drug companies are filing lawsuits against the compounding pharmacies that are really like the big marketer ones that are going out there. Um, and a lot of the lawsuits involve the fact that they're selling it as though it is that drug, but it's not identical to that drug. It has, it's mixed in a way that has never been tested in humans. Um, there may be adulterants in there, like other medication traces of other things in there that really are not, are unlisted ingredients. And so there, there have been some lawsuits filed. Um, the supply issues are improving. The insurance issues are not improving. Um, and I really think that is a big area that is going to be a big um, problem as we go forward is the, the insurance coverage issues. 
But hmm. I, I personally will not prescribe a compounded form of these medications um, because I have not, I've seen patients who have been put on them um, by other providers and it's very strange, like the, the variability of what you see, either totally ineffective or way too potent um, and signs of other potential things in there that are affecting their lab work in weird ways um, that are unexpected. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the compounded versions and I would not prescribe them. I have also asked some compounding pharmacists for detailed information of where, what exactly is in there and, you know, where it's come from and how it's been processed. I haven't really received that from any of the pharmacies we've asked. So so anyway, it's a hard thing because yeah. I can understand why people do it because they are desperate for the medication. And Well, it was hard to get, um, I know it was hard to get Ozempic here for like, there was a shortage for about two months and none in Los Angeles for about six weeks. And then people were going to Mexico to get it. And I know that that was like fake. Well, you never know. Other countries, what's so you don't yeah, know. what's so fascinating is you can actually see brand name legitimate medication in other countries throughout the world. Right, but you don't know. Yeah, you don't yeah, know. You may not. It's like the fake pocketbook. Right. Yeah, it's like that's, the fake pocketbook. That's true. Which I mean, look, I have some very good fake pocketbooks, <laughs> but I, I don't know if I want fake medicine. I think you're right. Like, but. But it, there is something know. to be said for why the drug prices are so much lower throughout the world than they are it's very, in our country, yes. which is really interesting. What I'd love to wrap up with is the idea that you really need to go to a physician that has a lot of experience with these metabolic medications, because Dr. Cooper has been in this business for 20, 25 years or so. And it seems like if you don't have a lot of experience with these medications, Dr. Cooper, you could run into some problems because I don't think a lot of people realize, Andrea and I are both patients of yours. Every four months we go in and have extensive lab work done where Dr. Cooper looks at our blood and looks at dozens and dozens of variables that are all changing and related to our metabolism. And based on that lab work, every four months, she adjusts and and asks and we discuss and it and, and it's this process of refinement over time. I think that a lot of people think that, oh, you just go in, here's the Ozempic prescription, there you oh. go, have a good life, and congratulations on getting skinny again. And that it's not at all like that, is it? No, it's not. And I think more providers really need to be trained um, as they're developing the experience because I think the providers will be kind that are just getting into this field will be kind of both excited about it, but also shocked that it's not the miracle that, you know, they would anticipate right. that there's more to it than just, you know, a pen and a diet. In fact, that's the part that we're hoping that people will come to realize is the restrictive diets, um, no matter whether they're with the medication or without, they're going to lead to that lean mass loss. They're going to lead to um, slowing of your metabolic rate and your metabolic system. So it's just, you know, and that body weight defense. And so these meds can't break through that. So that's the other thing is if we see a reduction in lean mass, it's not the medication causing that. It's the fact that those meds are being prescribed with calorie restricted diets 
and patients are not being encouraged to eat enough food if their appetite is, is altered. But um, yeah, I do think having a good relationship with your provider and the provider who knows you the best because they know your past history and everything, how you may respond to you know, the medication in terms of potential side effects and um, things that come up that may be new or, or you know, reasons to alter the medication or change it. It's really important to have that relationship. Okay, I'd love to wrap things up with just a summary statement from each of you. Andrea, what's the takeaway, do you think, of today's discussion, part two of these metabolic medications? Uh, my takeaway would be that they are not miracles, but they are amazing. And I'm very happy that somebody figured them out and invented them. Yeah. Dr. Cooper, how about you? I, I really agree with Andrea. I think it's good to keep in mind, as much as we're frustrated with the drug companies, um, there are really wonderful scientists that, that do work there. And um, I've met several of them, and they're there because their family members are suffering from these conditions, and that's what really drove them into the field. And we're starting to make real breakthroughs with medications that can really help people. And so I'm very appreciative of that. And um, I, I'm excited for what the future brings. Yeah. And I think my takeaway is that, you know, just as, as a journalist for, for many years, when you hear these claims, take, take, a, take a deeper look and see where it's coming from. And really, a lot of the stuff that's being thrown around is not based, based on science. And it's not based sometimes in fact. Um, and, and sometimes a very, very rare occurrence will be blown up so that people think that, oh, this is a common side effect. But if you listen, I mean, what's interesting is pharmaceutical companies play such a, a key role in our society. They do such good, but it's such a huge economic driver. When you listen to the evening news, the national evening news every night, almost every one of them is packed with these pharmaceutical commercials. And guess what? Most of those commercials are warning about potential side effects, including death. So yeah. let's let's keep that in mind when we start to judge these quote unquote metabolic quote unquote weight loss quote unquote diabetic you know diabetes drugs because drugs are drugs and we should really keep an open mind about how they're used and how we evaluate them. So, well, this has been a great conversation. I'm sure this is not the end of this discussion. No. I think oh, no. we, we'll probably do it again down the road. But this has been uh, awesome. So. Dr. Emily Cooper, Andrea Taylor, thanks so much for another edition of Fat Science. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. I'm Mark Wright. Thanks for listening to Fat Science with Dr. Emily Cooper, a work P2P production. New episodes drop every Monday. If you've enjoyed the conversation, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This production is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace professional medical advice. Join us next week for another episode dedicated to the science of why we get fat. No diets, no agendas, just science that makes you feel better. <laughs>